Our goal in account-based marketing at Microsoft is to get an account to become an external advocate for Microsoft. So that means maybe doing a press release with us about something that they're doing. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello. What is up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the B2B MX podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Tarico, and today's session replay is from the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange, and it's all about ABM from a true ABM veteran. So um, Danny Nail, what can I say about Danny Nail? Um, he's probably one of the very few people that has ABM on lock. Yeah, I said it. He... In my mind, he's got it on lock, and he's been doing it for quite some time, essentially starting the entire ABM program at SAP. Now he's just killing it uh, at Microsoft. Um, he's had this really incredible career. Even just the past seven years have been incredible for him. He's been testing and retesting a variety of different plays to scale ABM programs at SAP. Now he's doing it at Microsoft, and so what was really funny, uh, prior to the event, obviously, I had, you know, hopped on a call with Danny to go over his presentation and what he's going to talk about and all that fun stuff. And one thing that he said during this call has really stuck with me since. And it, it, it's that true ABM is one-on-one -on -one or one-to-few. And I know we always kind of talk about ABM also being one to many, like there is that tier of, of ABM for that. But according to Danny, that is simply just good targeted marketing. That's just like really good demand generation, you know? So he'll dive into more of that during the session. Uh, so sit back and relax uh, as he shares his learnings running these programs for these massive companies. And, and one more thing, honestly, um, yeah, I get it. This is SAP, right? This is Microsoft. These are big organizations, right? But Danny, Danny's insights just really span across industries and team sizes. So if you're not the SAP or the Microsoft of the world, that does not matter. You should still listen to this keynote. It's got some really, really great examples of ABM programs in there that anyone can do. So with that, I'm going to stop talking and let's roll the tape. Hello, everybody. Um, we're going to talk about the ABM Test Kitchen. Um, I wanted to start today with something funny because I was told by someone that I really respect that you need to start your speech with something really funny. Um, I don't have that today. <laughs> Two years, about five years ago when I, <laughs> five years ago when I spoke here. Um, a week before the conference, I fell and fractured three ribs. So when I came on stage, I had just taken some painkillers and um, dropped a few F-bombs in my series, I think, and, and that, was, that was kind of funny, but I don't have that today, so I don't have anything funny to talk about. Well, I guess that's good that I don't have fractured ribs, but anyway. It became a good story. Um, Sendoso did a really good thing and sent me a package of ribs later on to, uh, and said that they hoped my rib, those ribs were better than my ribs. So it was a kind of a cool little ABM tactic that they did. But um, anyway, so 
First of all, thanks for being here. Um, thank you to, the, um, to Andrew and Claudia for having me um, and for putting on such a good event, such good speakers. Um, I hope that you all have learned a lot so far. I hope you learned something from my session. And I am keeping in mind that there are some people here that probably are just starting their ABM journey and some people that are ABM experts already. And maybe those people will pick up a few little pointers. But hopefully some of you will learn a lot. So let's get going. First, a little bit about me. I, started, I joined Microsoft, as you can see here, about 11 months ago. So I'm, I haven't really even met people I work with because it's during COVID. And um, until last week when I was in New York, and I finally got to meet two people on my team for the first time. But um, that's been an interesting way to onboard at Microsoft uh, virtually. So an interesting part of the deal. I was with SAP for 16 years, and the ABM program that I developed there was a global ABM program. It was a one-to-few type program. And that um, basically is what won a lot of the awards that you see there um, and also um, made me SAP Marketer of the Year. So it was a good, good run, and I'm happy for it. But let's, let's get started. First, I want to start at a grounding level and talk about what I look at, how I look at ABM. And you'll see that I've kind of used a, a food services kind of reference, which is a different way to look at it, but hopefully it'll help you guys kind of see it in a different way. So when you look at one-to-one, -one, you're, you're talking about marketing to a market of one. So when, when you're focused on a single account, everything you do is for that account. Um, all of the assets that you develop are, are focused on that specific account. Um, Think of going to a six-star restaurant where you can order whatever you want. The chef will cook it however you want. They'll serve it how you want. Everything is based on your needs and your, quote, goals and objectives for your meal, right? So that's how you want to look at one-to-one -one ABM marketing. Everything is based on the goals and objectives of the company that you're focused on. One-to-few, if you look at that, that's where you may be focused on 10, 30, 50 accounts, but not much more. In that instance, you're kind of looking at it like um, going to a really popular sandwich shop. So but you're going to go and you're going to get a sub sandwich, right? Everybody that walks into that store is coming there for the same reason, which is a sub sandwich. But they're all going to get something different on their sandwich. The ingredients will be different. So as you're going down the line telling them what you want on your Subway sandwich, you're going to get different ingredients. Everybody's getting a sub sandwich, but every sandwich is different. Then the last one, the one to many, that's where you have like 100 or 1,000 accounts. There's no way that when you have 1,000 accounts that you can know the goals and objectives of each one of those accounts. It's just it's impossible. But we, what you can know is you can know intent data. You can know things about those accounts. You can know stuff about the pain points of the industries that they're in or the LOBs that are, you're focused on and their pain points. In that case, what you're serving those people is basically content that's the same. So think of going to one of the popular hamburger restaurant chains. Maybe it's a McDonald's, Burger King. You're going to get a Big Mac or a Whopper. Every Big Mac, every Whopper is exactly the same. But each person who went there might have gone there for a slightly different reason, but they had the same experience. They were served the same content. So that's how I kind of look at one-to-many account-based marketing. It's, it's 
less about the content and more about how it's, how it's delivered to the person. The content's always the same. So let's look at some examples. This one-to-one -one example is a brochure that we did at SAP. It was um, for a specific meeting with a specific person. So it was, I mean, very highly focused. We had about three weeks to put it together. The sales team came to us very late in the game. They said, we need a piece for this meeting. Um, it's okay. We want to have that relationship with sales, so we're glad they even came to us in the first place. But everything that's in this piece is focused on that company. The color palette that you see here, the design of the piece is actually based on that company's color palette and design. The numbers and the, and the information that are in the, the piece, the, the, the statistics and the financial information is all based on that specific company. We designed it and then printed it out so that our, the president that was visiting with the CEO would have something to hand that person. She wrote a handwritten note in that. So again, very personalized, very focused on that specific company and very, um, very highly tailored. All right, so this is an example of a one-to-view um, program. And basically, or these are just some assets out of the program. You'll see part of, a lot of the program later. But if you, if you look at these, they all kind of look the same. So the, it's a video, it's an animated video. And the, the base video for each of the different accounts, there were six accounts that we were doing this for in oil and gas. The base video for each of the accounts was exactly the same except for a few nuances. So you can see here we use color and the logos of these companies to slightly change the video. Um, if you'll notice in the top right, the ConocoPhillips video, that's an onshore oil rig as opposed to an offshore oil rig because they don't have a focus on onshore. They didn't at the time, on offshores, they didn't at the time. So if we'd have showed up with them with a video of an offshore oil rig, they would have thought, this doesn't make sense to me or it, doesn't, it wasn't made for me. So you do a lot of things like those little things will make a big difference with the customer. But the other part of this is these are, these are all three companies are in different countries. So the, the, the voiceover that we did for each one had a different accent for the, for the country they were in or a different language. So we had to do three different voiceovers, or six in total, but for these three we did three different voiceovers. One we did in Spanish. One we did with a UK accent, and one we did with an American accent. But what that gave us the opportunity to do was each script was slightly altered to make it specific to that company. Not just the name of the company, but we actually changed the content a little bit to make it specific to what they are interested in. But it also had to fit the video, right? So Because we didn't want to make a lot of changes to the video itself. But we made the changes to the, to the um, script so that it would be easier and more applicable to each of those companies and they would feel more like it was made for them. And then last, since one to many isn't really about the content and changing the content, it's more about how the content is delivered. So here you can see that a, a typical one to many program would have social advertising, it would have some demand generation stuff in it, it would have um, a lot of digital aspects to it. Um, it's really not about the content or changing the content. It's really about 
sending the content to the people based on the information that you have about them through intent data or through their industry pain points or stuff like that. But you really, here, you don't know enough about each account to change the content to make it specific to them. So you have to send them just the content based on the information that you have. I call that target account marketing because you are targeting those accounts and you do know something about them. You just don't know the depth of information you need to know to be able to change the content. Uh, sales and marketing. It's, it is funny, right? I mean, marketing and sales have been at odds for a long time. But I think that's because marketing doesn't market to sales. We don't talk to sales and tell them what we're doing. We go market, if it's demand generation, we go send out a bunch of emails and mailers and drive a bunch of leads in, but we don't tell sales what those mailers say. So when they're talking to, to the customer, they don't really even have a clue sometimes about what that customer has seen already. So that, that's one of the things that we've learned to do in our account-based marketing programs is really inform sales of the program, what's in it, what the purpose is, that kind of thing. And there are some do's and don'ts with, with, um, in working with sales. The first do is to make them aware of what account-based marketing is and what it's supposed to do. Because if they have, everybody's got a different um, impression of account-based marketing, and some sellers don't even know what it is. They just hear account-based marketing, and they think, oh, it's marketing. So at, at Microsoft, we call it account-based engagement. <laughs> just to get rid of the word marketing. But um, they don't have a real understanding of what account-based marketing is. So we try to educate them on what it is, what it's supposed to do, set their expectations of it, set their expectations of how we're going to need them to interact with us, what we're going to need from them. Because without sales, account-based marketing doesn't work. And without that partnership and that collaboration, because a lot of the information that you use when you're doing an account-based marketing program comes from your seller. It comes from their knowledge of the account. It comes from the knowledge of how the account phrases things. There are certain ways that you know, companies have different lingo within a company and how they talk about certain things. They may talk about sustainability as a green initiative as opposed to saying sustainability. So you want to make sure you understand that um, those nuances, and the only way you can understand them is through working with sales and making sure that what's, what you're talking about is how sales and the, the account are talking together. The other is to make sales aware of or, or get them involved in the program from the very beginning. So from the time that you've done your account selection, which I have a little bit on account selection in a little while, but from the time that you do your account selection, from that moment, you need to start working with sales. You need to start getting them involved in the program, making sure they understand what it is, and making sure that they have the, the ability to give input along the way for everything that you're doing. From the strategy of what you're gonna do, to the content that you're building, to how it's gonna get delivered to the account, everything that you do has to go through sales. Because again, if they're not on board, it's not gonna work, and you're not gonna, it's not gonna be successful. And you won't get any credit either, right? Because the, if you have a good relationship with sales and you're doing good work for them, they will let people know. In fact, we had to tell some, uh, one of our accounts yesterday, we, in, in Microsoft, we typically will work with an account for three years. 
And at the end of three years, they kind of roll out of the account-based marketing program, assuming that we've done what we were supposed to do, which our goal in account-based marketing at Microsoft is to get an account to become an external advocate for Microsoft. So that means maybe doing a press release with us about something that they're doing. Well, this account is at that point. They've been in the program three years. They're, we're right about to announce a press release with them. And when we were on the phone with the sellers yesterday, they were, they were like, did we do something wrong? It was like a breakup call. It's like, what, what happened? And, and we had to explain to them that it, you know, we're just, this, that's the intent of what we're doing. And, and we've got to now spend our time with other accounts to get them to that level. But um, it was very interesting because they were actually disappointed that they weren't going to have the same support for marketing that they had had. And sometimes sales, if you get them to realize that, then it's a good thing, right? You want, you want to be wanted by sales. Um, there's, some other, there's some don'ts, too. When you're, when you're dealing with sales, the first thing you don't want to do is try to talk to them in the last, quarter, last month of the quarter because they're closing deals and they don't want to talk to anybody at that point in time, especially not the fourth quarter because that's when all the pressure is on them. You also want to make sure that you understand the sales process and what their goals are and what pressures they're under because understanding that will help you know what to, how, when to deal with them, how to deal with them, and also when to approach them. The last don't is, and I'm going to pull out my notes because there's too many don'ts. Uh, Don't expect sales to get it. And that's why I forgot it, because it's kind of not nice to say about sales. But basically, when you show sales um, some creative, if you don't have visuals, if you're just trying to t explain a concept to them, they're not going to get it. They're, they're typically not visual, they're not creative people, so you've got to kind of give them the visuals to help them understand. I mean, we even had a case where we showed a seller a storyboard for a video, and he thought it was a comic strip. So I was like, no, this is going to be turned into a video, and it's going to be um, the words that are underneath are kind of what we're going to say. He's like, oh, okay, I get it. And he, then he used that storyboard and took it into the client. So before we even had created the video, it was a reason for the seller to talk to the customer and for them to um, engage. So that is another way you can use these things as, as an opportunity for the sellers to engage with the customer. And a lot of the things that we do at Microsoft, we actually have our customer's marketing team involved, and as well as some of their executives, so that we know when the piece gets into their company, it's going to land and be landed and be um, accepted by them. Top tools, best practices. So account level insights as a foundation. So when you're talking about doing an ABM program, I mentioned earlier that the more you know about the account, the better you can develop assets and things that are going to go into that account um, with their goals and objectives in mind. So the first thing you want to do as soon as you get the accounts in the program and as soon as you have started um, working with sales is start getting the account insights. And I'll give some examples of how to do that in a little bit. But having those insights as the foundation of your program, that's what makes it account-based marketing. 
is you, everything that you do is focused on these account level insights. And that's where you get your strategy from. That's where you then take for the strategy and develop the content from it. So everything starts as, with that as the foundation. Then as you're thinking about your program and what you're gonna develop and how you're gonna develop it, you wanna make sure that you're thinking about how you're gonna scale it or to what extent you're gonna scale it. Are you gonna to try to take it to one or other account? Are you gonna to try to take it to 100 other accounts? How big do you want this program to be and how much scalability do you want it to have? Knowing that will help inform how you're gonna develop your assets, what type of assets you're gonna build, what type of MarTech you're gonna use. I mean, it kind of is another part of the foundation of what's gonna happen with your program and how it's gonna work. And then there's the MarTech tools. The first thing, if you haven't started your program, or even if you have, if you haven't sat down and done an outline and defined what you want to do with your MarTech and what you want to do with your program, then you're probably going to buy MarTech you don't need, or you're going to buy more than you need. Because as MarTech has come along in the past few years, a lot of the companies have come together, and therefore their offerings have changed, but they've expanded. A lot of them have added things to their offerings. I mean, it could be that when you decide what you're gonna do with your MarTech program or with your program, you may only need one piece of MarTech. It may do everything that you need, and there's a lot of them that do a lot. So you wanna make sure that before you buy the, sign your first contract, you understand exactly what you wanna do, what your pain points are that you wanna have um, addressed by the MarTech so that you get the, the MarTech that matches your needs. That way you buy what you need and not more than you need because we at SAP had a lot of MarTech. In fact, one of our subsidiary companies had a lot of MarTech. In fact, it was, they show those little screens that have all the thousands of MarTech vendors on them and, and all of that. That's what their screen looked like. And it, and it turned out that they didn't need half of it. And we saved millions of dollars by reviewing that. But if you start the other way and just start kind of Frankensteining things together, you're gonna to spend a lot of money that you don't need to spend. So define those objectives before you sign your first contract. And if you've already signed a contract, that's okay. They only last for a year usually. And then you can do something different. So I talked about the insights, in-depth insights. I wanna talk a little bit about where those come from and how you can pull it all together. This is what's gonna help inform your strategy. So first is the, when you're thinking about the accounts that are in your program, you have to speak in the industry language. So if you're, if you're in the, I cover financial services, so um, that's banking, cap markets, and insurance. So we have to, when you're talking to an insurance company, you can't be talking to them about supply chain as a, you would a manufacturer. It's a totally different view of things. So you wanna do the external industry research. That means you're looking at trade publications, you're looking at what, you're trying to figure out externally what are the pain points of that specific industry. So that will guide you as to what your account is probably thinking about. May not be, but it's, it's a good indicator. You also want to look at external IT industry research. So there's a difference between the industry pain points and the IT pain points of an industry because if they're not thinking about um, AI or machine learning, 
or if they are thinking about it, they're going to be thinking about it in a certain way. So you want to make sure you understand how they're thinking about the different things in the IT industry, at least if you're a software company like I work for. You also want to look at um, external in-depth information on the specific account. So you, you, you always want to take an external and then an internal viewpoint of all of these things. So you want to look externally at what they're saying to the street, if they're a public company, what's in their, what's in their annual reports, what's their 2030 focus, where are they planning to head with everything, because that'll give you some indications of what their needs are and what they're probably going to need in the future. You also then take that information and you talk to your internal industry experts who can talk to you about how your solution addresses those industry pain points or those pain points that that company is facing. So those are things that you want to think about as you're doing the external research. Then you look at the account plan. The sales account plan not only tells you a lot about the company or should tell you a lot about the company that you're focused on or companies, but also it will tell you a lot about what the relationship with the account is like. And the, and the reason you want to understand the relationship is at SAP, we had one customer, Volkswagen, for like 35 years, right? The people at Volkswagen know SAP as the back office finance software company. They, a lot of them haven't progressed with us into the, the fact that we're actually an innovative company, right? And we have HANA and all the things that they were doing. So one of the goals of every piece that we created for Volkswagen, or in the automotive industry pieces, was we made all of our assets super, um, they were thought leadership, but they were very art of the possible forward thinking, and they were really flashy assets. They were very interactive digital assets, the, the videos were, were super, super crazy looking, and the whole purpose of that was to give them a different impression of what SAP was as a company. And if you look at some of the stuff that SAP produces, and I'm not slamming SAP because I'm at Microsoft now, I'm just saying some of the stuff that we produce as a company is very not so creative looking. <laughs> but we had to change that, right? So that was the good thing also about being in account-based marketing is you can get away with stuff from brand, a brand perspective that you can't get away with normally because you're focused on the company. And if you're focused on a company and you need to look like the company that you're focused on, then you're not really branding everything in the SAP or the Microsoft or the whatever, whatever, whatever brand. You're branding it towards the company and you can get away with a lot of creative license that way. Once you understand the account and what their pain points are, what their, their reputation and relationship is with your company, then you can start doing some stakeholder mapping and figuring out who the people are you need to reach within that company, what their pain points are, why you need to read them, reach them, who's in the buyer, buying group, who are the decision makers versus who are just the, the influencers of the decision because you really want to approach them in a different way. And you also want to approach them from a persona's perspective. You don't want to send the CFO something that's really technical. You want to send them something that shows how much money you can save the company or how much, how much time you can save the company. So you can put it in a financial perspective. And then when, from there, you go into like the deep dive account pro, company profiles. So there's a lot of information in the account plan about the company. But there's also a lot of information that it doesn't have. 
So doing a deep dive account profile on an account, understanding from an external viewpoint, putting together all that information, and also putting together the information about the company's software stack. You can get that information a lot of times, what they already have, where they're buying. Putting that together um, helps inform the strategy as well. So all of this together develop, become the insights that you're going to use to finally put together the strategy of your program. And when you hand a sales team a deep dive account profile, um, one of our sellers, one of our most senior sellers, when I handed him his, he looked at it and he's like, you just saved my team three months of work. Because they would be going out and digging around trying to find all of this stuff. And he basically could just flow that piece of work into his account um, plan and it saved him a lot of time. So it's one of the things that um, when you're dealing with sales, and I didn't say it earlier, a do, is bring gifts. Bring them account profiles, bring them customer profiles or, or business decision maker profiles, bring them, um, we, we, we called it technology project profiles, meaning looking at who within the company was buying or, or talking to who. I mean, you can actually find that out in some instances, like what, are the, what projects are they, they currently working on and who's working on them. So the more information that you can bring to sales that will help them and inform them about their account, the better you are. So another, th another thing you can think about is like Sales Navigator or Databook, some of those, those types of, of pieces of information that you can constantly monitor to your accounts in will, and feed that information to sales because they're busy doing deals, they're busy closing things. The more you can give them, the more you can give them about their company. So those, those pieces, Sales Navigator and, and Databook, will give you daily alerts about the accounts that are in your program if you set it up right. And you can feed that information to sales on a daily or weekly basis just so they kind of keep up with what's going on. They have their own things too. I'm sure them. some have Google alerts or whatever, but the more you can give them, the better off you'll be. All right. Now let's talk about the ABM asset delivery platform. When I was developing my program, one of the things that I, at, at SAP and now at Microsoft, one of the reasons and one of the things I was told when I was developing my program was, you're gonna start with six industries, and these are the industries, and then, you gotta go, and then I had to go figure out what accounts in each industry. But at the end of the day, I also had to make it scalable. So initially I would work on 30, I worked on 36 accounts. And so you can imagine trying to look at the account plans for 36 accounts, looking at talking to the different sales leads for 36 different accounts. It was quite a chore, but it, I also then had to figure out how to make that scalable. So whatever I did for automotive, not only had to work for those six accounts, it had to be able to work for any other account in the world that was in automotive. Or it had to be, a, if it was in banking, it had to work for any other bank. So one of the things that I did was not just make the assets scalable, but I also developed a platform that, well, I'll play the video and then we'll talk about the platform. Discover a more accessible and intelligent way to perform account-based marketing and demand generation at scale. A collaborative system that allows you to customize highly relevant content for your prospects, setting our teams up for success. 
Welcome to the SAP ABM Asset Delivery Platform. Here's how it works. Simply search for content by topic, industry, or asset type. Click See More for details about the asset. Each asset has a description and an easy how-to-use guide. If this is the asset that best meets your needs, now select your desired level of customization for your target audience. Level 1 – A generic asset with your own unique call to action and URL for tracking and measurement. Level 2 – In addition to your unique call to action and URL, your selected asset can also be tailored to include your target company's brand colors and logo. Level 3 – All of the versioning included in Level 2 plus edits to sections of the text. You simply answer questions in the form below to outline how you'd like the asset personalized to your target account. Level 4. Your chosen asset can be completely customized, even to a different industry. All content can be changed to create the story you'd like to tell. Fill out the form and we'll set up a discovery call with you so you can share your vision. There's even the option for you to share your images with us to show us your vision. Once you have chosen your customization level, you can tailor even further. Choose which language you require to suit your audience. Then, simply submit the order in your cart and receive a confirmation email. The delivery time for your asset will vary according to the level selected. Take a look here. Each time you visit, don't forget to check out our newest assets for inspiration. Still can't find what you're looking for? Share your ideas and we can discuss how to best meet your needs. Let us do the work to help you generate or accelerate more deals. Let us do the work to save you time and cost, to amplify our sales and marketing collaboration with the SAP ABM Asset Delivery Platform. Okay, so first of all, let me just make it clear, that's not an ad for SAP Asset Delivery Plat ABM Asset Delivery Platform because that's only internal to SAP and it's only for use within SAP. So it's not like we developed a piece of software that we're trying to sell to customers to do this ABM Asset Delivery Platform. Um, the reason it says it's the SAP ABM Asset Delivery Platform is because that is meant to be an internal video to promote the platform to the rest of the company so that they can know that it's available to use to order assets for their purposes. So let me go to the next slide here and we'll just talk about it. As the, as the video mentioned, the platform, think of Amazon for ABM assets. You can search by topic, by industry, by asset type. You can select from over a hundred different assets that we've developed over the last couple of years, last three years. Um, the assets can be customized at four different levels. So the very first level is a level one, which is generic. It's the asset, but it's, it's not changed for anything. It can be used for demand generation. The fourth level, so taking it all the way to the fourth level, that asset would be like taking, um, where is an asset on there? The connected future of automotive, that video. And, oh no, the one on the bottom. Let's take that one, the oil and gas, oil and gas video. That would be taking that video or that asset and changing it from oil and gas to automotive. 
So you can take these assets and, and use the base foundation of the asset, so the programming part of an interactive digital asset, and change it complete, to a completely different industry just by changing the content and the, 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 the graphics within it to, to match an industry. We also, I think, I don't know if you caught it, but we do all of these in, in like nearly any language you can think of. So if, if they wanted it in Japan and they wanted it in Japanese, they could get it in Japanese. Um, depends on what the sales team and the company that you're dealing with, what their, their language of choice is. But all of these can be localized in any language. We covered 13 industries with the program and then we had some cross-industry assets as well. The other part of it is the party that orders it. So if it's a seller and they want to order an asset, they, set, they pay for it out of their budget. So it's not a marketing, marketing budget. So the goal eventually is to turn this into a profit center for SAP, meaning that at some point we would raise the rates a little bit and actually make money on it as opposed to breaking even. Because the rates that are in here when I negotiated this with the agency were um, set low. They were set to cover exactly the cost of the agency because we wanted as the lowest entry to, um, barrier to entry as possible. So that's the good thing. But you can take an asset, and I'll just go ahead to the next slide because it's not really going to say this, but you can take one of these assets that cost maybe fifteen dollars to $30,000 to originally develop for the six banks that we were focused on or the six, what, the six automotive companies. You take that same asset, repurpose it, for 75 euro for a generic to 1500 euro for a fully reversioned level three, which would be taking an asset and making it specific to a company, changing the content to some extent, changing the visual to their color palette and their logo, but you would change the content on a level three. So getting an asset like this for 1500 euro, which is about 1700 US, is a pretty good price, and, and not only that, but you can get it in three to five weeks. So instead of a, a three-month process to develop the original asset, it's a, it's a three-week to five-week process to get an asset to go into market for your particular company. I'm just gonna keep going here. So let's talk about some, going the other way. Instead of taking an asset that we've developed for a company and now we're going to change it to another company or make it generic, we'll take a generic asset and go and reverse it the other way. So you could take an asset like this and where you have like the blue screen and the blue dots on the screens, you can change the color palette to match the company that you're going after. You can also, the screens that are on the phones, you can, you can change those to, the, to look like the app or the, the website of the company that you're going after. So everything that you, can, you do makes it resonate more with that company by changing the look and the feel. But you can also do things to the content. So for example, you can either tweak the content, you can change a paragraph, or you can change certain words within the content to make it resonate more with the customer. Another way you can do it is just reordering the content to fit the customer's priority level. So if they're focused on, let's say, sustainability, blah. if they're focused on that, then maybe that paragraph or that, top, that, that um, page moves to the front and you just reorder the content to make it fit the things in the order that you want to make it fit for that customer. 
So here are some examples of the, the work that we did. So you can see on the top, there's videos. We did um, animated videos. We did um, collage videos. Each of those videos that we did were available via a unique URL. Every asset that we did was available via a unique URL, so we could track it with Google Analytics. We would know what country that was opened, in, what country was opened in, so we could tell if it was actually our customer or someone else. But since they're unique URLs, the only person that gets the asset URL is the customer or the seller. So that's a kind of a way to keep it internal, so to speak. But we also did video books which is basically like a hardback book with a screen inside that when you open it, the video starts playing for the customer. And I actually had a seller at, at one of our Japanese automakers that he would start every meeting. He carried that book with him to every meeting. He would start every meeting with that video because it set the vision for his year and what he wanted to talk to that customer about and what they wanted to hear about. So it was a mutual thing. It would get them interested in what he was about to say. So it we would produce maybe five or ten of those for them to be handed out to specific executives within the account because, you know, salespeople like to give people things. And that was one of the things that we were able to, to make sure that they had. In the next row, you see some of the interactive assets that we did. The first one is what we call a drive-through. That car actually, the, the user will use their keyboard to make that car go through a village or a, a city. As they go through the city, there are different topics along the way, so it's, very, it's a designed for a very linear story. But as you go through the village or the, the city, different, thing, different topics are going to come up, and as they go through, those black bubbles pop up. And the black bubbles lead them to other assets or other pieces of content that support that specific topic. And in those bubbles, you may, you may have something that says, as Ford looks at uh, driverless cars, Here's a white paper on whatever, right? So you can tailor the content to the, the company that you're focused on. They can drive through the, the, the village and only look at the assets they want. So they can go as deep or as light as they want to. So giving the customer that much power um, is a good thing because it lets them have the experience that they're looking to have. And the others are just some other examples. Oh, and the, uh, the drive-through, another thing that we did with it was we totally took that asset and changed it from automotive to retail. So instead of a car driving through a village, it was a man pushing a shopping cart through a grocery store and going through the different departments of the store. And we could talk about different aspects of retail and the, the types of things that were pain points for retail at the time. And then we changed it to oil and gas. So the background was not a city anymore. It was an oil fields. And, and uh, rigs and things like that. So a number of ways that you can change these to make them work. Then on the bottom, we have things like eBooks, infographics, interactive infographics, anything that you can do to make it interactive for your customer. The more you can do like that, the better. This is what a typical year looked like. So as you go down each of these columns, these are the types of assets that were developed for each of these different industries. Um, again, with in mind that every one of these could be readapted for another company or could even be readapted for another industry. But what you see here is, is like one program for each year, for a year for each of these industries. And the, the cool thing about this is this really represents a hundred different separate assets that were built and delivered in a year just for these six industries because we did six usually six or seven companies in each 
um, industry. And we, so we would do six different versions of each, of each asset in each row. And that adds up to quite a bit, especially when you got to proof all of them. And then you got to get them approved and then everything else. So it's a lot of work. It was done in a year. I did it with my really talented ad agency because at the time it was the very beginning of the program and I was the pilot, so I didn't have much else to, I mean, I didn't have much help except for my ad agency. So let me point out that if you are gonna do something like this, pick the right ad agency. And actually pick one that knows account-based marketing and understands the process of starting with insights and going through the whole strategy into to what it is and also understands how to build assets that can be repurposed like this um, because if they can, they can build a, a platform. That platform that we built, I built with the same agency. We started in March here in Boston of the year that we were, we were we, it kind of brings back memories, but we, we were sitting in a, room, a conference room here in Boston in March and we just brainstormed it and I kind of gave them my, my needs. They came back with a wireframe and from that point it was six months until we launched the, the, the platform. And we, already, we had another thing you want to think about if you're going to do a platform like that is you've got to have at least 25 assets on it or it's not going to be of interest to anybody because there's not enough to choose from. We ended up with, at the end of the, at, by the time I left, there were about 150 assets on the platform. The good thing about the platform is it increased the number of accounts that we served versions, like actually versioned assets to, copy, color palette, logos, by over 200%. It, it allowed us to address about 37 million euro additional revenue. And one other good fact about it, it was we had 200 assets ordered within the first 18 months across SAP. So um, they were used for all different things too. They were used for gen um, demand generation. So we let people order the generic version. At first I was so against letting anybody use it for demand generation because I didn't want these cool assets out there. And then somebody that saw it, that had one version for them, I didn't want to see the generic version because then they wouldn't think it was so special. But I relented because it was worth it for the extra, extra ROI that we got on each asset that I produced. Because that's another, another good thing about it. The more you can reuse an asset and deliver it to other accounts, the more ROI you're getting off of your initial investment. I put this slide in here because um, for the new people to ABM, it's a process that you can follow to do your ABM program. You start at the beginning with account nominations and you wanna make sure that you have your criteria for what accounts are gonna be in your program really well established and agreed to by your leadership because the criteria for those accounts is gonna be hugely important because you're gonna have accounts that wanna be in the program that don't meet the criteria and you gotta make sure you can weed them out. One of the main criteria is to have a sales team that's on board or that is um, innovative thinking and that will work with you. And another one is to have the executive buy-in. But after you do the account nominations and you go through the account planning and insights, which is all the things we talked about earlier, that's what sets the strategy and the messaging for the program and the narrative that you're gonna use with your customer for the next, hopefully 12 to 18 months and then that informs the content you're gonna build and it informs what kind of content you're gonna build. In fact, we wouldn't go into a program thinking I'm gonna do a video or I'm gonna do whatever. We would go into a program thinking what is the story we need to tell this customer and how's the best way to tell it? 
If it was a story that needed some emotion or it was a very emotive story, we would use a video and the music we would use would, would help with that. You know, if it was a linear story where it was just point by point by point, we might use the drive-through. So understand the story that you want to tell and, what you, and how you want to tell it to your customer and then decide what type of asset you're going to build. Build it, give it to sales or, in a, in, or put it into the system to be utilized in your program. Get it started being utilized. Make sure you're executing on it measuring it, and have a good time with it. And I think that is it. What I would like to say is, first of all, thanks for being here and listening. I'd also like to say, if you have any questions about this that don't get answered today, because I think we're about to do a little bit of questions, but if you don't, my email and my LinkedIn are here. I love to talk about account-based marketing. I love to share my experience. So if you have questions, or if you just want to brainstorm, link to me on LinkedIn, send me a note. I actually do talk to people and do calls with people, and I, I just love it. It gives, me, it, it gives me a way to get my energy flowing, and you get some answers, and we both get some answers. So I'm happy to talk to anybody. Thank you. All right, folks, that was my friend Danny Nail of Microsoft, and honestly, the coolest and funniest dude out there. Uh, this session was so fun and, and just really to listen to Danny and all of his examples was, was so great. I mean, just the way that he was able to personalize all of his content in a real way, you know, and not just the token, add the name to the email type personalization. Like this is real targeted personalization. So these are awesome examples. And again, big shout out to Danny for, for coming down to Boston and sharing his expertise on ABM with us this year. All right, that is a wrap on me. Um, last final plug, B2B MX, back in Scottsdale this February. I'm so excited. We have a killer lineup. Marcus Sheridan, Jay Bear, Pam Didner, Christina Kay of Reseller Ratings, Jen Lever of Bizarre Voice, and so many, so many more awesome speakers are taking the stage. Plus, we've got a full marketplace of the best of the best solution providers and all things, you know, demand gen, ABM, chat, go to market, and you name it, we've got it. And it's going to be so much fun and it's going to be nice and warm and it's going to be sunny and the Phoenician is so beautiful. I can't wait for you to see it. So hopefully uh, you'll be able to join us. I'm going to put the link uh, in our show notes so you could easily access that reg page and get your ticket. And yeah, if you have any questions, of course, reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn, share your feedback, let us know how we're doing, all that fun stuff. Subscribe to the podcast, of course, if you haven't done so already. Um, we're available on all the podcast players of your choice. And yeah, that is it on another episode. Thank you again for joining me and I will catch you next week. Bye.